Hi, and welcome to episode 65 of No Crying in Baseball, the Patty Mouth Finds Her Dream Job episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. More on that dream job later. I am so excited. There are a couple names that will not be mentioned on today's episode. I don't think. Well, fuck, a little bit, except for right now. The Harper Machado thing. You just did. Yeah. Okay, we checked that box. We checked that box. I checked it on Twitter. So that's why I'm trying to say it now, check it on Twitter, and then shut the fuck up. My predictions are, uh, what's his name? Harper to the Phillies, Machado to the White Sox. I'm done. I'm done. Okay, I think you're wrong on both. Okay. That'll be fun. That'll, that will be fun. You well, know, if I had any money or any belongings worth anything, I would totally make a bet with you, but I don't have any. So moving on, <laughs> this week on the show, we're going to talk about Trevor Bauer in trouble on Twitter, my possibly my most regrettable Halloween costume ever. We've got a little hot stove op- update. There was a glimmer. There was a an ember that warmed up briefly in the... In the Following up on, say, Obo Jackson and Deion Sanders, we've got a little bit of a football-baseball connection you might be interested in. We're going to tell you about our Angels and Nationals boyfriends, and then maybe a smidge about some winter baseball. What's happening to to formerly, formerly my guy, Trevor Bauer? He's really fucked up. This oh, no. Twitter thing is really bizarre. So he tends to engage with his followers. Which some people really like. That's a good thing, right? It is a good thing. And unless I've been you're looking, Trevor Bauer? Uh, well, uh, unless you're Trevor Bauer and you do it in this way with an underage girl. Okay, I don't want to hear those words together. There's so many words. There's so many words about this. The beginning uh, of it was that a girl tagged him or whatever. I'm, I'm so not fluent in Twitter, whatever. She put his his handle down and she said he was her new least favorite person in all sports. He took it a little personally. He responded and she responded and he continued responding to her publicly. Wait, wait, pause. Why did he respond at all? This is like number one problem, right? Let it alone, dude. Absolutely. Okay. Question number one. And he has hundreds of thousands or millions of followers who then start piling onto her. And at one point he said, when she said that, or maybe her her defenders said that, dude, you're a grown man and this is a 16-year-old girl. He said, I identify as a 12-year-old. This is 2019. You have to have empathy for my situation. So then that opened a whole new floodgate and all of these Twitter people who said that he was then making fun of trans people because of his phrasing of how he identifies started piling onto him. But his defenders really kept going and really attacked this girl to the point where she had to take down her Twitter account within a day. It happened really fast. Oh, good God. And one of her last tweets was, sorry, I didn't like being told to kill myself for four days straight. You're right. I'm so soft oh, when people crap. were. Yeah. God, people so. are, are like that with girls and women on Twitter. It goes to really personal, horrible places very quickly. I'm a little afraid of Twitter. I'm having a hard time getting in there. I mean, I know it's important for us to have our media presence, but people can be super nasty. And in this case, there's a huge power imbalance. There's a little bit of misogyny, maybe some transphobia if you're going in with that way. And people are wondering, should he be censored? Should the Cleveland team be doing anything about this? Did they? What did the team do? I have no idea. 
I couldn't find out. Wow. At least at the time of this recording, I have no clue if the Cleveland team did anything. He did acquiesce a teeny bit. He finally said, I will wield the responsibility of my public platform more responsibly in the future. But as far as I can tell, he didn't apologize. That's not really an apology. And it sounds like it was probably written by a PR person. That wording doesn't sound like a natural thing that someone who's picking on a 16-year-old girl is going to say. Good point. Good point. So I wonder how much he's going to be reined in. Looking in at his Twitter feed is a little bit ugly. Right before this, he had a video that I got squeamish about where he was videoing two young women, maybe teenagers, in the airport. He was on his way to Puerto Rico. And they were talking about a sexual encounter, and he videoed them and put them on his Twitter saying that they shouldn't be talking so loudly about something so private. Well, dude, why put it on Twitter for the rest of the world? He kind of backed off a little bit and said, well, you know, I was on my way to Puerto Rico to do this baseball clinic with Javi Baez. Yeah, I'm doing good things, but not not in the Twitterverse. And that doesn't cancel out the other stuff. That's, yeah, you get one point in this column, but you lost a bunch of points for really poor judgment yeah. in the other column. I am so disappointed. I've been defending him for a while thinking, oh, he doesn't mean it that way. Take it on face value, this and that, but there's no other way to take this. I'm disappointed. I'm super curious to see if the Cleveland team or MLB does anything about what's going on with players speaking on Twitter because it's instant gratification, instant stardom. There's thousands of people following you. That's There's some responsibility, I think, that comes with that. Yeah, we've, we've talked in the past about how, um, how colleges and also how managers and agents are looking out and for and grooming the Twitter feeds and other social media of the young guys coming in. But it seems like these guys are getting a pass or not having any attention paid to them because they're established. They're veterans who, you know, who's paying attention to that. You know, on the bright side, one of your boyfriends, your recent boyfriend, Daniel Palka from the White Sox, he also has a Twitter feed. And he said, do you ever, well, actually he wrote every, I think that was a typo, but did you, he wrote, do you ever wonder if our pets tell their friends, my owner is a spirit human? I would totally say that. Yay, more more good uh, evidence for while Daniel why Daniel Palco was my boyfriend. Actual information about baseball players playing baseball. Here it comes. We're moving on to that. So Yasmani Grandal, Grandal. Wow, I can't pronounce anything this week. Sorry about that, everybody out there. Just signed a one-year $18.25 million deal with the Brewers. So ends our report on excitement in the hot stove season for the past week. That That was was it. That was it. So as of this time, only a little over 10% of free agents have been signed. Last year at this time, it was a little over 6%. So marginally better, but, you know, emphasis on the word marginally better. Um, Jason Stark in The Athletic had a pretty interesting column about how super slow free agent seasons, free agency seasons like last year and this year, the hot stove season, might actually affect attendance. Attendance was down last year in baseball. And as you know, the free agent hot stove season lasted for frickin' ever, right? In the past, a lot of the big signings happened before the calendar year was out. They happened in December. And that gave the teams time to really build up how exciting this was, that 
this marquee player is coming to town. In the days of Barry Bonds, San Francisco had a rally to welcome him to San Francisco. They had time to kind of market that, build that, and they had a jump of like a million people in attendance for that season. That's not happening because so many things are last minute now that they're not getting that bump that they could could get otherwise. So Especially from those two aforementioned players that I'm not mentioning anymore, but they could bump They could come somewhere. up because that's, yes, absolutely that's true. If that had happened in, say, December, mm-hmm. look at all the time they would have had to build up those mystery guys. There's that arbitration thing happening now, or the teams hit their deadline for deciding if they were going to settle with people or go into arbitration. And I want to give some gold stars this week. We give gold stars to at least the Dodgers, the Angels, and the Red Sox for signing all their players and avoiding arbitration with all of them. Another gold star goes to the White Sox because they signed my boyfriend so I can breathe a little bit of a a sigh of relief. The guy that I just picked, Yolmar Sanchez, is going to be with the White Sox, I damn hope so, for this year. Phew. Few. And the people who didn't agree before the arbitration deadline may go to a hearing, actually. And what happens in the hearing is... The arbitrator just decides between the number given by the player and the number given by the team and just picks one, and that's it. So that's what that's what the next step is for any of the players who didn't agree with their teams before arbitration. You might remember Bo Jackson. You might remember Deion Sanders. They were pretty interesting for a lot of reasons, <laughs> so many reasons. But one of the reasons was they were multi-professional sport players. Well, we've got another one. Uh, Kyler Murray. The Heisman Trophy winner was actually drafted by the Oakland A's, right? So he is set with the Oakland A's to go to spring training or to, you know, to start in the minor leagues this season coming up. Well, today is the day that he is the, it's the deadline to declare for the National Football League draft. And he says he's going to declare for the National Football League draft. I think this is a little hilarious because the first thing the A's said after he said this was likely going to happen was, oh, so it's going to be a scheduling issue. Like, where does he go in February? He can do both. The last thing I read before we started the show was the Oakland A's are doing all kinds of last ditch antics to try to get him to not declare. By the time you hear this, one or the other thing will have happened. Either he'll declare or he didn't. I'm pretty sure he's going to declare. We're going to have Bo Jackson, Deion Sanders all over again. Maybe we got to post a follow-up on that, I would say, on social media at some point. We're not going to have Trevor Bauer do it for us, though, because that would be bad. Bad idea. Boyfriends. 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 I love this part of the show where we talk about the guys we want to hang out with. We pick one guy on each team who is our guy to go grab a beer with. This week we have the Angels. My guy is Andrelton Simmons. Good pick. Shortstop, 29 years old. Why did I pick him? You know, there's always that one thing that just kind of clicks when you start looking through. Like your dad's birthday? Exactly. Like my dad's birthday. This one was, I I really appreciate the international flavor of baseball, looking for players from a variety of countries, and there are only six guys out there from Curacao. So this is one of the two Curacaoan players who last year did not make the playoffs. The other guy was Jerickson Profar from the Rangers. We already did the Rangers, so I missed missed my shot there. And you may have I, also missed your shot. I, I, I really need a shot. Where is that tequila? No, Andrelton Simmons, the other Curacao, and not in the playoffs. 
I am taking him. Turns out he's also a fucking amazing player. But small place that Curacao, a tiny little island off the coast of Venezuela. It turns out that he played soccer and baseball against the aforementioned Jerkson Profar. And he was on the same youth baseball team for 10 years as Didi Gregorius, one of those Curacaoans who did make the playoffs wait, last year. Wait, I have a question. Are there six Curacaoans in the major leagues or are there six Curacaoans, period? Because this seems like a lot of of things in common. Yeah, six Chris Owens in the major league right now. I could rattle them off, I believe. Jonathan Scope, uh, Kelly Jansen from the Dodgers. Uh, Shit. Um, No, I do have it. Andrelton Simmons. Andrelton Simmons. (laughs) Three. Jerickson Profar. Four. Is four. Didi Gregorius, did I say him already? Five. Is five. And... This is the same one that I forgot. I, I've got to get back to it. Oh, ooh, five out of six. Oh, no, no. Ozzy Albies. Oh, I just blew out the levels. Ozzy Albies <laughs> of the Braves. It came to me. Oh, I, you beat the buzzer. You beat the buzzer. Redeemed. I am so impressed. From last week. Redemption. Tell us more. Tell us more about So Hamilton. he was found in Curacao by a scout from Western Oklahoma State. I totally don't get why which colleges go to which places. But, you know, if you were a scout and you could say, I'm going to Curacao for a few weeks to scout players, like not a, not a rough That's deal. That's what I was going to say. I have a feeling it may have something to do with, I don't know, vacation plans. That's another job I should sign up for. <laughs> All right. 2009, he was there. He was batting 472, and so he was brought into uh, Western Oklahoma State. And here's where two reputable sources gave me two different answers. The college itself said that Simmons was there for a year, 09 to 010, and they're very proud of it, and he batted like hell. And then MLB on that little click your link on the bio said that his junior year, he pitched at 98 miles an hour. So I don't know where that came from because he was drafted in 2010 to the Braves or brought into the Braves uh, organization 2010. 2012 was his MLD debut against our Nationals. And he blew it against Strasburg, but the next day he doubled off Gio Gonzalez. And then he missed all of July and August of his rookie year because of a fractured hand. He bounced back like crazy 2013, not only going gold glove, but platinum, which is that fan vote of who's the best gold glove of the year. And he played in the World Baseball Classic for the Netherlands, which owns Curacao. So there you go. Uh, in 2014, he had a seven-year deal with the Braves, but we're talking about the Angels. So that means he was traded after the Braves took that chunk of time owning him. November 2015, traded to the Angels, was there for 16, did well enough that by 17, he was co-MVP with Mike Trout. I've heard of him. He, I hear he's a good player. Yeah, and we didn't pick him again because nope. the personality thing. But anyway... Heart and Hustle. Heart and Hustle is our Boyfriend Award, went 2017 to Andrelton Simmons, and he again played in the World Baseball Classic one more time with the Netherlands. Last year was his career high of 292 for a batting average, so I'm hopeful for next year. But wait, there's more. This name we love to drop with Omar Vizquel. I love Omar. Your, your first boyfriend, right? He was the only shortstop to get multiple Golden Gloves in both leagues. So he got two with the Braves. He got two with the Angels, beating out your other boyfriend, Lindor, last last year. 
As far as the cultural adjustment, when he was interviewed talking about the shift from Curacao, the beaches of Curacao to the United States, he said it's more quiet here. People in the dugouts are more quiet. He got along best with the Dominicans, both in college and in the major leagues. And he says he considers himself Latino. He said he's avoiding political questions, but he does say that Latinos know how the president sees, sees them, and he's leaving it at that. And he puts money toward baseball awareness programs in Curacao. He's married to a Mexican-American woman named Gabriela, and that's what I know about Andrelton Simmons. Excellent pick. I lost money on that pick of potty ah. mounts because I was sure that she was going to go with Shohei Otani, even though we have a no pitchers rule, because I know she was going to say, but he's, he's going to be DH. He's playing DH. I should be able to get away with that. But no, she didn't do it. Did it cross your mind? It totally crossed my mind. I was this close. And then I thought, Curacao, umbrella drinks on the beach. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's go there. Let's go there and do some scouting. I think it would be an excellent idea. I picked Justin Upton because I didn't think Potty Mouth would let me get away with the Shohei Otani loophole either. Justin Upton is a right fielder. He's age 31. Look at us. We're picking some grownups this time. I like that. I think it's fair sometimes to judge people by the company they keep, or at least kept in the past. And uh, Justin Upton grew up nearby in Virginia, nearby to where we are right now, and was on a travel team in school with Ryan Zimmerman, David Wright, and Mark Reynolds. Holy crap. I want to drive that carpool. I could have been a carpool mom. That would be awesome. Well, you know what? Maybe we have been driving those carpools and we just don't (laughs) know it yet. Oh, that would be so cool. He is the brother of Major Leaguer Melvin Upton Jr., who was drafted in the second round by the Rays. Justin was drafted in the first round by the Diamondbacks in 2005. And what this means is that as a pair, they are the the, the set of brothers that were drafted the highest. That's poorly worded, but what does that mean? There is a Good brothers. S- well, that and there's a stat for everything. Oh, yeah. Right? Also, they were the two first set of brothers to each have a 2020 season. If you remember, that means 20 home runs, 20 stolen bases in the same season. They also played together on the Braves and on the Padres. They come from a baseball family. Their dad played in college. Then he was also a scout for the Royals for a while. He coached baseball for a little bit. They said the TV was always on in the house with baseball games from wherever they could get them. And if they couldn't be outside playing baseball, they had batting practice with Nerf balls inside. How would you like to be their mom? Well, their mom, who's a teacher, by the way. Yay. That happens a lot. Now, does, I like that. Are we just picking our boyfriends that way? Or is there some weird like statistic about just how many players have teachers as parents? We might have to do some research. Oh my God, math is hard. Mm-hmm. His mom tells a story about when he was in eighth grade, they were out and about at a ball field and there were college players with scouts nearby trying to get their game together, but their catcher didn't show up. These are college kids with scouts there. So these are good players. So she says, my boy, her boy would be eighth grader Justin Upton, gets into catcher's gear, says, I'll catch, has never catched, never caught before in his life and was catching fastballs from college-age players who were good enough to have scouts there drafting him. So apparently he's fearless. I think that's pretty cool. So in 2017, he was a Detroit Tiger, and he was named the Detroit Tiger of the Year for 2017, even though August 31st of that year, he was traded to the Angels. So he did enough good 
in the, you know, in the bulk of the season leading up to that, that he was still the favorite player, the most valuable, the, the tiger of the year. Then when he spent basically only a month playing for the Angels, he became the first right fielder for the Angels to hit seven home runs in a season since 2014. And he did it in one month. So he hit seven home runs in that month. In that month, in like 20 couple games. That's pretty awesome. In addition to that, because he's a grown-up, he is a four-time All-Star, three times the National League, once in the American League. He's a three-time Silver Slugger. And he just recently, well, last year, he signed a five-year extension with the Angels to avoid free agency. I mean, he likes the Angels. He had a good experience there. He wants to stay with the Angels. He also feels like they are making the right moves to be contenders, right, with Otani and all and, and all of this. Um, but what he said about free agency, like he saw the difference between when his brother, who's three years old, was going through. Three, three years, years old, older. older. Wow. <laughs> three years old. That was well, he's really, impressive. yeah, he's quite the superstar <laughs> at a very young age. Yeah, he toddled with the, yeah. Anyway, sorry about that. Yeah, as a, you know, three years older than he is. When he was initially a free agent, he said teams would come to court you and try to win you over, right, to attract you. And he said, now more than anything, front offices, people from the front office call you up and tell you how terrible you are and why you should take so much less than you're worth in a, in a short-term contract. That's sad. And so that's been a real turnaround. And he said part of it is sabermetrics. He doesn't mean to denigrate statistics and the use of them, but what he said is it, it it's helping – team management focused very specifically on what they need instead of, I have a good feeling about this guy, which makes them more laser focused in how they're going to negotiate and what they're willing to pay for. He's married his wife to his wife, Ashley. They have a two-year-old daughter, Cindy, who's very cute. They're all very cute. Oh, all yeah. these players' I kids are very cute. And because I always look for a way to mention hockey, last year the Anaheim Ducks had an Angels night. And he was the designated angel that hung out in the booth and um, hung out with the guys calling the game. Designated angel is such a cool title. Right? You should just milk that. Use it everywhere. Be a designated angel for whatever opening there might be. That's what I'm going to call my boyfriends from now on, my designated angel. Sweet. No, I'm not. That's gross. Let's go to the National League and our hometown team, the Nationals. So psyched for this, but I'm cringing a little bit when you were talking about how we're Picking older, mature guys. Well, sorry, ending that trend right now. I am going with Juan Jose Soto Pacheco. I am so fielder, excited. Yay. 20 years old. He's a babe. He was up last year at age 19, but we talked about him a lot, and now we get an excuse to talk about him even more. And the moral of this story is, damn it, I've got to get my ass to more minor league games this year because he was all over the place and we could have seen him right nearby. He was in the Nat system for two years in Hagerstown and Potomac and Harrisburg, Totally could have caught him in the minors. So here's the moral. All of your exciting players that you're seeing now in the majors started somewhere, including our little Juanjo, which is the best nickname ever. I really do love the name Juan Jose and the, the nickname that goes with it, Juanjo. He was scouted by this, the Nats at age 16 when he was six 
foot one. Now, you know, I have a 17-year-old. Yes, she's a girl. But man, 6'1", as a 16-year-old, that's got to catch some attention. It's a different gene pool than the one that your your 17-year-old <laughs> so, came from. I'm just saying. So different. So different. Yeah. So there was a, a, a nationals, and I get to use this word again, Casa Talentos in the Dominican Republic, a, a talent hunter, a headhunter, a scout, whatever you want to call them, saw him play in a double header. And he actually pitched the first game for He's innings not of the first pitcher? game. What are you talking about? Go figure. I guess in those days, they thought he wasn't much of a runner and they were actually trying to develop him into a pitcher. But in the second game, he played center field and he had four hits. And the, the Casa Talentos guy said that it was love at first sight with Juan Soto, the batter. So he ended up coming up in May of last year totally by accident because we had a shitload of casualties, including Howie Kendrick's injury, which was an ugly thing to watch. But he homered of his first pitch of his first actual start. The night before he had pinch hit at the end of the game, didn't go as well, but his parents weren't there and they were there for his first start. So go figure. His other claim to fame is he actually homered in a game four days before he started because a game with the Yankees started then and he it got rained out and they finished the game much later when he was actually on the team. So the stat book is just really weird. We talked about that. Go back to our old podcast from last year for more details. When he came up, he beat out Acuna from the Braves as the youngest rookie. Unfortunately, later, Acuna beat out him as rookie of the year. It was such a close call. There's some flashbacks, of course, 19-year-old coming up to Bryce Harper when he came into the Nationals at age 19. And he was actually the first guy to embrace Soto when he came up, give him a hug and say, I'm here for whatever you need. And then last year, Soto tied Bryce Harper's record for home runs as a rookie with 22, second only to Tony Conigliero, who pulls my heartstrings a little bit because he was a Boston player, Red Sox player, who is horribly injured and his his uh, record ended, or not record, career, that's the word I'm looking for, entered way too soon. Ended. I just wanted soon. to point out for somebody who didn't want to hear the word Harper mentioned oh, fuck, in, yeah. in this in this show today, you said it about eighteen times in about two sentences. So in the in the beginning, when I started saying that, I realized mm, it's coming back. But we 18, can't avoid it. He's really, everywhere. He is. I want to talk about Juan Soto's walks, the way he walks, because he walks as a teenager. He had the patience. It was so much fun to watch him last year because the pitchers you knew were trying to pitch to a rookie. And he let him go by. And it was to the point where they were intentionally walking him too. And Gabe Kapler of the Phillies walked him to get to Daniel Murphy. That didn't go well. But in an after-game interview, he said that he really thought they had a better chance against Daniel Murphy than they did against Juan Soto. Go figure. It did seem like teams adjusted to him after a while. You know, like the shine kind of came off, and then he had to work a little bit harder because pitchers were a little wiser to him. But absolutely, he got away with murder for a while. He extended his season a little bit by going on the Japan trip that we talked about, and you told the story about him hitting the roof of the Tokyo Dome. So he just wants to keep playing. He's so excited to be here. He is uh, very, very loyal to his roots. His working-class parents, Juan Soto and Belkis Pacheco, have been supporting him throughout. His dad 
it's sort of like, you know, living your dreams through your kid. He always wanted to be a baseball player. He, depending again on your source, ESPN Deportes said he worked for a uniform company. Tiempo Latino said he was a street seller. Could have been both. His mom's an accountant and worked double shifts so that the kids could stay in school. And he had a bat-shaped bib when he was a baby. In an interview at the end of the season last year, this is where I kind of thought, he's just a kid, 19 years old in this big new, new city. He misses Mangu, which is a, a plantain mush that it's a Dominican breakfast, I think. And he misses his mom's rice and beans and plantain cake. When he goes back to the Dominican Republic, he says that's his home. He's just staying here for the season, but home is the DR. He goes out with his friends, but he was very clear to say to have a good time in a healthy way, para divertirse sanamente, which is like, you know, no messing around. He said he eventually wants to help his family and the people of the DR because he remembers when he was a little kid, and he didn't have school supplies, and now he has resources. So he says he knows what he went through, and to help others is always good. He was very clear about wanting to have a clean career without any problems, without any controversy, although he says his role model is David Ortiz, which huge points in my boyfriend book. David Ortiz maybe wasn't as squeaky clean, but he is loved, and that's what Soto is looking at, just to be loved like that by everybody, everywhere you go. And then, damn it, he said he's working on his English. Yes, good thing. But he said he was working on it with a copy of Rosetta's Stone that the team bought him. And I'm like, are you fucking serious? You're working on English with Rosetta's Stone? Hire me, Nationals. I am getting gearing up my resume. I'm going to see who I can send it to, but I really think they need a real-life ESOL teacher, which is what I am, to work with their international players. Especially someone who understands the whole baseball world in which they live. Mm-hmm. Nats, if you're listening, call my friend Potty Mouth. That's what it says on her resume, Potty Mouth. <laughs> I think it's going to work. Yep. When I call the Nationals, the guy that I want to talk to who never answers a damn phone is Anthony Rendon. If you remember, among all of our stupid baseball rules, we had one that's less stupid, which is we get to keep one boyfriend. All the other ones we've got to turn over, but we get to keep one. Anthony Rendon, near and dear to my heart, third baseman, 28 years old, with the Nats. If you remember from last time, way back in episode 20 or so, I told you he was drafted by the Nats in the first round in 2011, born in Houston with a Mexican dad, German-Irish mom, and his dad played pool for money. His dad recently was interviewed about about Anthony, like watching him play pool and all this. And he, he was kind of a big deal in that small world of playing pool for money in Houston. But he pointed out to little Anthony, this can all be taken away quicker than you got it. So don't boast about how good you are. It could disappear. And that seems to have stuck with him because as I have mentioned in the past, one of the things that I like about Anthony Rendon is he's not a flashy guy. He's not talking about himself. He's not promoting himself all the time. He wants to play ball and then go live his life. He wants to be the best player he can be but then everything else is separate from that. To tell you how good he is, Fangraphs said that since the start of the year 2014, only five position players have been more valuable than Anthony Rendon. And those guys are Mike Trout, remember him from a few minutes ago, Mookie Betts, Jose Altuve, Josh Donaldson, and Paul Goldschmidt. All boyfriends? I think all boyfriends. Hey, they they were. They were. They were. They were. Except for Mike Trout. They, yeah, you know what? And apologies to Mike Trout, but we just don't want to go have a beer with you. We admire yeah. your baseball ability, but just, you're just not our type. Sorry. 
So Rendon is in his final year of arbitration. He will become, he can become a free agent after the season. And he and the Nationals just agreed on an $18.8 million one-year contract. Yay. Which is a little over a million more than the common knowledge was about what was probably going to happen. So woohoo. And they're talking about working in a contract extension with him. He said he wants to stay. The Nats want him to stay. They just need to make it happen. Some people are supposing that it's a, it's about Bryce Harper not signing yet and needing to know what happens with that before they move on. They both have, yes, the same agent, Scott Boris. Um, one of the nicknames for Anthony Rendon is Tony Two Bags because of his propensity to hit doubles. He hit 44 doubles last year and was first in the National League with that in 2018. He and his wife, Amanda, had their daughter, Emma, this past summer. And he's way into being a dad, wants to be home for Emma, and also now is working with other kids around the Washington, D.C. area. Last time we talked about Rendon, we reported that he was on the board of the Nationals Youth Baseball Academy. This year, he stepped up. He and Amanda made a six-figure donation to the Academy, and the Nationals then used that to promote their fundraising and said, let's match this donation. So they brought in a lot more dollars, people trying to and to emulate Anthony Rendon because he's really quite beloved around here. When he was asked about why he wanted to work with youth, what what's the relationship he has with the academy, he said, I really think that it's me still being a kid inside. I'm not that far removed from thinking what they're thinking. And said so he doesn't want anything out of this involvement, but I think hanging out with these kids and hearing their stories and knowing I'm trying to make a difference, maybe that's what I get out of it. I'm getting emotionally attached to these kids. And I, we may or may not have told this one story before, but he had an interview with the Academy kids. You know, he doesn't like interviews with actual journalists, but he likes talking to the kids. One of them said, what creature would you be if you could be anything? And he said, Bigfoot. Nobody would ever find me. Last year, we talked a lot about Rendon sort of flying under the radar. I think he might be coming out of that. I think you are one of the first who picked him out of the, the field and saw him as the superstar that he is going to be. I'll take that. Really quickly, I'm going to tell you about winter baseball. Go check our post on Facebook. I promise I'm going to put something together because all of the leagues are now in semifinals and they're heading toward the finals. And then that's going to, to, to burst out in the open with the Caribbean series starting February 2nd. But more details on our Facebook page. Over the course of the next week, we're going to be doing our research for our boyfriend's from the Seattle Mariners, if there's anyone left who still plays for the Seattle Mariners, and also for St. Louis. So keep an eye on that. Let's see who your boyfriends are. You ought to take a look at that too. In the meantime, you should be subscribing to our show and telling your friends about it and leaving a review. And how much time do we have till we really start baseball? Apologies. I've gotten some complaints from fans saying we haven't been doing the countdown. We have 29 days. Oh, my God. Eight hours, 18 minutes, and a matter of seconds until spring training. That seems doable. Better get our rest. Say goodnight, Potty Mouth. Goodnight, Potty Mouth. Potty Mouth.